turned out to be a punk rocker. You know what I do? Warning. This podcast contains hot takes, cliched opinions and strong language. Welcome to Records and Bands. Welcome to Records and Bands. I'm Rob. We've got a full house plus a guest today. So Jamie is back. Hello. Sam is here. Oh, All right, good, good. And we welcome Aaron Lewis from the Last Jedi on the Left podcast. Right, you're on the spot question of the week. What is your message to Rudy and what is his response? My message to Rudy is, can you teach me to play that harmonica intro, please, mate? And his response is, no, don't yourself, you fat brick. <laughs> <laughs> Sam's back, the swearing's here again. Oh, God, sorry. I'd like to say I try, but... <laughs> I've got two kids in the house. Yeah. I can't swear at the best yeah. time. So. <laughs> Anyone else? You'd like you say you tried, but we're two minutes in. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Anyone else got a message for Rudy? Mine would be, "Oi, don't screw this up." And his response, weirdly, in the third person, would be something like, "Don't worry, Rudy can't fail." Well done, Dad. Joke of the week. You can tell who writes the questions, can't you? <laughs> right. So today we are doing the debut album from the Specials. Specials released their first single, Gangsters, in 1979. It quickly caused a spark as it headed to number six in the UK singles charts and ignited a musical revolution as it established both the band's unique style and the signature two-tone sound. Definitely glaringly wrong in that, is there? Two-tone combined elements of ska, punk and reggae to produce a new sound that was both fresh and familiar. The Specials were at the forefront of the movement and set the tone for what was to come in terms of style. An upbeat ska sound in a sharp distinctive image and substance with their socially conscious lyrics dealing with important issues, racism, poverty and unemployment, and their songs struck a chord with audiences across the country. The self-titled debut album, The Specials, reached number two in the UK album charts and established the band as a major force. The album included several hit singles, including A Message to You and Nightclub. The band helped to revive Scar and bring it to a new generation of fans and inspired too many bands to mention here. Let's just say it would be a quieter place without them. Sadly, the band's iconic frontman Terry Hall, who also found success with Fun Boy Free, passed away that last year, leaving behind a massive, massive musical legacy. Usually we ask for your thoughts on whatever band we're covering on social media, but this week we've got some thoughts from someone who lived it. So I will now play in the thoughts of our specials, Island Correspondent. I'm honoured to be asked by Sam to review one of my all-time favourite albums, the 1979 self-titled album The Specials. I first heard this album in the sixth form common room at Medina High School on the Isle of Wight. I was only 16. I wanted to go and see the band in Portsmouth, but due to my O-levels the next day I wasn't allowed. I've got a history O-level, it did nothing for me. That's a sort of specials line. That's for the ones who are in the know. So on to the album itself. Before you even pop the needle on the vinyl, the cover is iconic. The black and white photo of the band, the checkered top and the track listing down the side. It still fills me with excited anticipation. You pop the record on and then from the opening sound of that harmonica on Rudy, a message to you, through to the last track, you're wondering now, this truly is a great album. I particularly love Blank Expression and the wonderful little bitch Probably Preston's five in this moment with the Ordinary Boys when he covered it. The anti-racist and bringing racism to the fore in It Doesn't Make It All Right and Concrete Jungle really hit home to me, a young mixed-race lad living on a very white island. 
Terry, God rest his soul, I still can't believe he's gone. His vocals are so different, so haunting, so sharp and angry. They spoke to us all. A lad who was still a teenager himself. Neville's toasting and Linville coming in with his own style. Brad, another home too soon, gone too soon, sorry, with per percussion that's so good and more appreciated now we're older with Horace's perfect bass lines. You had Roddy and his great guitar riffs and the leader, Jerry, the heartbeat and driving force behind the band. It all clicked and those three years was just wonderful. I did finally get to see the specials in 2008 at the festival as a surprise act. As the opening course, the gangsters struck. I sprinted to the front and sang along, knowing every word to every song. The most magical hour. I saw them many times on the second coming and with their reincarnations. And I last saw Terry, Linville and Horace's specials in the 2021 for an album launch of the protest songs at a tiny venue in Southampton with about 100 others. What a lovely evening that was. So good to see Terry for the last time, although we didn't know it then. I've also seen other bits of the specials. I've seen the Fun Boy 3. I saw Roddy in a rockabilly band and also with Three Men in Black. Um, I've seen Neville's solo projects and Terry with the Dub Pistols. But this Death Specials debut album just can't be beaten. Right then, that's the specials. Go. Sam. So where do the specials sit in your rotation or in like as influences on your music as in all serious in all, all honesty they kind of don't right didn't mm -hmm. obviously aware of them obviously like know they're an iconic band and to be honest like a lot of people i'd imagine when terry hall died i kind of thought ah oh, maybe i'll go and i put like the greatest hits on a bit um, was like, this is actually really fucking good. And then it came up, we wanted to talk about it tonight. And so we've had a, I've gone pretty, pretty in at the deep end with it. And for a band, you know, like I've thought I've known them, I've known who they are. You know, they're quite a big part of that punk and scar scene that I dip my toe into every now and again. But really, only the, the hits are like, you know, saying like Message to You, Ghost Town, obviously. But this, this week has probably been the first time I've really got my hands on an album and, and gone into it, really. My kind of stance on it is, and I mean, if you have me on this podcast enough, I'm definitely going to mention me old man too many times. <laughs> but because um, obviously, I mean, what, what did this, this album came out? 79. It, eight, 79. Yeah, so this guess is... what else came out in 1979? This man right <laughs> here. Fair enough. So, yeah. Well, now without trying to make you sound too old, but this came out eleven years before I was born. There you so. Go. <laughs> so it's clearly not something well, I was Rob. stumbling into. <laughs> so yeah, it's it definitely all all come from my dad, really. So it was just him playing this album to me, or me and my sister, I guess, when we were kids. And you just listen to it enough times, and it, it goes in. And then again, you know, you just end up dancing around the kitchen, or or you just end up dancing around mm. the kitchen to it. So. Uh, yeah, it's it's always been one of those kind of it's it's always been there for me, and then you're not like I'm not really aware of what the singles were as such from it. Uh, one thing I wanted to mention is the on the the version that exists nowadays on streaming services or whatever because I'm sure that's what we all listen to. Uh, did it for you guys? Did it have gangsters on there? It did, yeah, and it really threw me. 
because I, I spoke to Stu, who, who spoke earlier about it, and he, he, he made, obviously, in, in that, he mentions, you hear the harmonica, and I was like, hang on a minute, those gangsters. And then I was a bit like, knew I was the one who was confused, because, you know, I'm, I'm obviously vaguely new to it. It's not on the 2002 remaster, which is one I've been listening to. That's what I was listening to as well. I think it's I think it's a 2015 remaster. So the the point I was kind of getting to was that it was never on the original album. It's a single they released, I believe, as the name Special AKA mm-hmm. before they were even uh, the specials. Because it was always that one came first. Then you have the two albums, and then you have Ghost Town after the two albums, and then that's kind of when they go the separate ways, kind of thing. Yeah. Um, can I just quickly go back a little bit because you're saying sorry, yeah. no, sorry, just you're saying like. So, so when we said to you about coming on the podcast, you were like, oh, this, this is one of the records that I want to talk about. And um, you're just saying that it's from your dad playing it. So for me, and Sam can agree or not, like our dad would have Queen on all the time. And I hate Queen. <laughs> because, but I, I, I know every word to every Queen song, but I can't stick it when it comes on because it was just battered into me. But for you, then it was obviously the opposite of that. Yeah, it did go the other way for me. I mean, so it, it kind of goes back to there's a, there's a bit of the specials and madness and stuff like that, but then there's a lot of like the old anything to do with like the old seventies punk stuff. That was my dad's era kind of thing, so that was what he was into. So it just be, but then I guess there's kind of like a sort of almost like a wink and a nod, especially to a lot of the stuff he was kind of playing, where it'd be kind of a bit maybe a bit rude or something like that as well. And as a kid, you're like, yeah, you lap that up because, you know, your dad's playing it as well, so you're allowed to like it. Um, so it kind of always went for me a little bit that way. And then as I've grown up, there have been other bands uh, that have come along like Green Day. So the Basket Case video where he's in the mental hospital or whatever, I must have seen that like so many times when I was growing up because it was just that was then what you follow on with. So then this is the similar sort of thing with the specials is like they were played for me, them and, and Madness. And like I say, Madness is that kind of cheeky, kind of fun vein that follows a lot of the, the Scar music through. So yeah, you, you kind of pick that up and then kind of obviously the 90s then there's there's more stuff coming out and Streetlight Manifesto, which like I say I mentioned on Jamie's uh, YouTube video. That was, they were the kind of the big band that came out in the 2000s, 2010s and stuff. So you know, they were the band that you go and see a lot. I was surprised there. I'm not embarrassed, but I, I felt like I had really missed something when I listened to this album. A lot of that earlier 70s punk stuff, I'm not I'm not that into. I, I'm more of it's, it's the late sort of stuff. But there's some stuff from that, like, you know, like New Boots and Panties is one of my favourite records. And, like, I... Feel listening to this special record. I know it is that a couple of years later, but to me, it has more. It feels more like, I suppose, more like an Ian Jury kind of, for want of a better word, vibe than say a Sex Pistols feel to it. For example, do you think that's because it's the focus or the craft lyrically rather than like style and sound in? Yeah, like I, I can hear you can like you can tell that it's of its of its era. But yeah, it, it's interesting because I feel that it's both simultaneously of its time, but very ahead of its time because it's so much stuff that you listen. Well, you hear now, at least I hear now. I can listen to that special record. I was like, 
Christ, like that is a real. They're not just the. It's not just the greatest hits that you know. They're like it's. I don't think I quite got the impact until I listened to this record today. Well, this week it's been real eye opening. I got to say. Yeah, some of it that I noticed as well, and I kind of. I don't really want to get into it too much, but it, it kind of gets me down a bit sometimes. Where you listen to, you listen to a record like that, and you listen to some of like the the themes and the topics that they're they're writing about, and then you fast forward to like some of the stuff on like Outcome the Wolves, like um, Alleyways mm. and Avenues, and there's similar stuff on that, and then you fast forward to now, and like nothing's changed, and yet you've had all these wonderful artists like writing about it, and hopefully. You'd hope it, it doesn't feel like there's much progress in it, and I kind of but that stands out to me sometimes. It's like, hang on, they're they're singing about yeah. the same shit that's going on now, and but I know it's, it's interesting that you've but... gone because I mean you kind of say that it's a little bit depressing for you because I always find that that's well what makes almost makes this album like or at least the specials music in general evergreen. It's because you you can listen to Ghost Town. And then you can go down your local high street and, you know, all the, the music venues have been knocked down and stuff. And you go, oh, yeah, he could have wrote yeah. this last year. Mm-hmm. But that, and, that's, and that's what I find poignant is that it's 40 years old, this record, and yet the same issues are rife. Yeah. But anyway, that's me <laughs> being political. I mean, right. don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it's a fair point like, that you made that it's, and the, and it's not and it's not a criticism at all of the music. It's a criticism of society. So there you go. Yeah, Jamie, you've been very quiet again. What do you reckon to it then? Have you got any like overall thoughts you want to dig out? I had a similar thought to what you were just saying um, as I was driving around listening to it earlier. It's one of them that's it's a classic. Maybe not recognised wholly in mainstream as a classic, or maybe it is now. It's it's getting on for that kind of age, but. It's a classic and it's an iconic band, isn't it? So it's an iconic album and they've got iconic singles that you've heard a thousand times in different films and TV series and that kind of stuff. But my sort of avenue, going back to what Aaron said, into music, wouldn't have been into ska punk, would have been more into rock and then metal. So kind of two different avenues, but I'm Mm. obviously well aware of the specials as a band and heard lots of their stuff, even though I haven't actively gone to listen to them, but yeah, quite enjoyed this week listening to it. And that, like, like I say, we've got a, a major sort of link road through our town and you can drive down there and listen to certain songs on this album. And it could have been written yesterday mm. or last year, like Owen said. So yeah. <laughs> right. I've got a feeling this is going to be the, um, Aaron and Sam show again. So <laughs> we'll head over to you boys for the categories. And um, as usual, I like to ask, what's the best track on the record? So, okay, in your in the intro to the podcast, you have your little one saying about there's going to be hot takes. So my hot take is that, <laughs> especially Too Much Too Young, is definitely not the best track on this album by far. And it's obviously the one that a lot of people kind of know about. I think for me, it's, gonna be doesn't make it all right yeah great song thumbs up from jamie over there i um i agree with you Aaron. part there i often say we should this should be the the jarvis cocker award because i always think that and again feel free to disagree that um it's okay to think common people is pulp's best song because it it probably is it's their most well-known song 
And it's probably their best song, I think, at least. But I don't think this is the case. Everyone knows too much for you, but I don't think it's the best track on the record. It's an amazing song, but it's not it's not the best song on the record. Maybe the live version of it that does the round, that's um that is a seriously good version. Is that of the it. one that crops up on all like the best punk songs of all time ever? compilation yeah. cds and that yeah i've heard that because yeah, when and he shouts like too much too love message to you rudy it's great um my favorite track though is concrete jungle okay i love it i love the big drums on the intro and like the, the like the terrace chants on it mm-hmm. and stuff I, I love that song that for me is, is the is my favorite definitely um, i put too hot as well because i think it's a cool song I mean, obviously, like you listen to it now and you listen to it on a CD or on a streaming service and it all plays mm. through as one. And I feel like it disrupts the flow a little bit, whereas obviously back in the day, that was the end of side one. So you have a, an actual ending there as such. So, you you know, you flip the record and, and go again, but mm. don't think it's held up as well for me. Okay, fair enough. So yeah, yeah, no, no, no that, that's... I just thought it was a cool track, to be honest. Can't argue with that. Uh, and also... But honorable mentioned Little Bitch, which mm. is another subject. Hopefully, we're going to cover at some point on another record that we'll get to. Hopefully, so basically, there's a version of it on the Ordinary Boys record we're going to discuss with uh, Aaron and Jamie in a bit. A little bitch, which threw me when I listened to the album, those two albums back to back this week. Going, oh, this this sounds familiar. And I listened to the Ordinary Boys first, and then I listened to the specials, but. Again, we've mentioned it before, but on an album that's really quite tight and concise, is there anything that kind of drags or you want to skip? We call it the skippable moments, don't we? But So the album version of Too Much Too Young is like six minutes long. And hmm. yeah, I oh, feel it is, like isn't it? Yeah. by about four minutes in, I'm okay. I've, I've heard this track now. I can, again, it's the, the mm. punk fan in me that's like, well, this song is still going, is it? And also the tempo of it is really quite slow, especially compared to that live version that sam mentioned mm. earlier and especially that because it seems to start off up here and then get slower and mm. slower as well so yeah i feel like that's the only one perhaps for me there's an element of that we we spoke about um uh, how sweet child of mine how you how it's it might be an all-time great song you've heard it a million times you might think oh, do you know what i can i can live away that today there's bits on that version of oh on, on the album version of too much too young where it actually feels like the vocal is dragging like when your um cassette would get when the batteries mm-hmm. are going on your tape player and the cassette's about to get chewed up you boys won't remember that you're too you young to explain but... what a cassette is <laughs> and it, it just feels like it's just slowing down and like whether it's done deliberately in the production i don't know but it's kind of gets that feel of i don't know yeah just just slowing down and dragging to it but um, i'm happy to go with with that long version of the thing i felt that um Again, it's perhaps a little bit predictable, but I think it just works really well as an album. That again, I, I, there's not much that I would necessarily skip, and it's a it's a phrase that I use a lot, and I do use it a lot, and I kind of die a bit inside when I say it. But like, it's a fine man. This record, like you, you don't. What I think is really cool about it is it's got tracks that like grab your attention, like Concrete Jungle, just just off. You really grab like Monkey Man, really grabs you. But at the same time, you it can just play. You don't necessarily have to be like at it, if you know what I mean. Because it just just feels nice to have it on. I feel that like a lot of more reggae than ska music, I suppose. But like it's nice to sort of, it's just just nice to have on. It just makes me feel happy. Here we go. I'm going to drop one in there quickly now. 
Is it the best thing to come out of Coventry? Mm, no, Steve Grizzovich, probably. <laughs> <laughs> right, I wish I wrote that. And like any like really notable standout bits, bits of production, lyrics. Uh lyrics wise, almost the entire album, I think, for me. I guess the one that kind of growing up, you know, you because I was, you know, you're 17, 18, 19 or whatever. The one that kind of hit me at that time, and I guess this is the moment for that one, is Nightclub. Because the, uh, Jamie's mentioned before on the podcast that there was never that much live music for us growing up around. You know, you, you, if you wanted to do something, you'd have to go to Manchester or to Liverpool, which is a bit of a trek. It's not something you're going to do every week. So if you're going out, you go to a nightclub. And almost every time I went, I hated it. <laughs> they would never play any music I liked. <laughs> and you just sit there and, you know, sorry for the swear word. Mm. But I'll get mine in. It's a shitty place to be. What am I doing here? And those words just resonated with me at 17, 18, 19, every single time I was there. I suspect it's a cattle market as well. Yeah, and you were just sitting there thinking, God, I wish I was listening to the specials instead. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny, we had we had similar, but like, because we're in the sticks, but instead of the big urban centres in Manchester and Liverpool, we could probably get up to Wolverhampton or down to Newport for a gig and then... You, we we had a nightclub, but it wasn't great, was it, Sam? Was it still open when you were going out? Yeah, yeah. yeah. We had we had euphoria. It was terrible. Sorry, carry on. Wish I wrote that. We're on. So, uh, I say you've got that one. Uh, you got nightclub. Blank expression always. I quite like just musically. It's a little bit different as well. This is just that little bit of slower pace to it. Did your dad have favourite songs? Can you remember your dad having favourite songs on it? Or? I remember his dad. I remember my dad singing that song at me and my sister quite a lot. Actually. Oh, excellent. No, I think so. <laughs> Where did you get that blank expression on your face? Excellent. Um, anything jump out for you, Jay? I had a message to you. Um, I just figure, like, I've heard that so many times on different things, and if you can write something that's going to be used time and time again, then that's that's pretty good, isn't it? A pretty good going. Mm-hmm. And it's up to you. I quite enjoyed as well. Quite enjoyed some of the melodies throughout that, and it bounces back on the 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 uh, the backing vocals a little bit as well. Go on then, Sam. What did you wish you wrote on this album? Well, there's two. Um, I, I can't wear what I want, or I can't dress the way I want. I'm being chased by the National Front. I think it's quite a clever little rhyme uh, for something that's quite harrowing, probably. Um, and I don't know why. But I really like, um, I met a girl from Area 3. She worked at a chicken factory. I think it's just like, that. that's probably a track that deserves a mention of the, the best stuff on it. But yeah, that that line stuck with me to the point where the band we played with uh, last weekend st- started to play it. And I said, like, I recognise this. I could I put my, my finger on it. And then he sang that line. And I was like, there it is. Now I know it. Generally, yeah, it's a, I think it's a cool album. I would have quite liked to have penned quite a lot of it but yeah those were the couple that really stood out for me but it's interesting because it, it's it's in some ways it's a record that this is a bit of a tangent but sometimes i hear you, you hear stuff and you think oh yeah I, in, in another world perhaps i could have written that almost but i hear green day stuff and i think oh yeah i could play that i could probably write a song similar to that but this is this the special stuff it's just like nah this is top draw really almost unachievable sort of levels yeah i think i largely agree with that as well it's uh it's definitely there is like a i mean because it's obviously written by mm. various different members of the group as well 
uh, but there is like a lived-in experience to it all as well, isn't there? There is, yeah, yeah. And and to be honest, like there, there's some stuff that I think if you were to cover as a band, that I don't know how comfortable I would feel doing some of it. If you know what I mean, sort of like if if because like you said, it does feel like a very lived experience, which I guess is the power of the record, isn't it? So how do we feel it fits in or compared to the rest of their catalogue then? And you can include like the Fun Boy Free stuff and anything Terry Hall's done since, any anything any of them have done since. For me, I guess, I'm only kind of sort of aware of a lot of their stuff afterwards. Like I know a few hmm. Fun Boy 3 tracks. I don't really know the albums that well. So like I know that uh, like the specials did reform as well and they've got like three or four albums, maybe even more than that, of like various afterwards. But for me, it's always been this and more specials um, as the two albums. So it's like, this is better than more specials probably, but more specials has got some great tracks on it as well. So it's just like slightly ahead of it for me. What's on more specials? Sorry, just that curiosity. Uh, you've got, uh, what have you got? Enjoy Yourself. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Rat Race is a pretty good one. Mm-hmm. And then Do Nothing, which went on to become like a bit of a um, bit of an anthem for them. Um, and Man at CNA is another one. Again, if you that's more like a, oh, you know it if you've listened to the album a lot, I guess, if you haven't, then it's... Where does uh, Friday Night, Saturday Morning come in? Because I absolutely love that tune. Is that a bit later? I'm trying to think now, actually. You've got me on that one. Sorry, mate. I thought it, I thought it was on the second album, but I'm looking at the track list and it's not there. It's on the remaster. It's on the deluxe. It's on the deluxe version. We're back in the days of singles, and you know, you have five or six singles in between albums and stuff. Would it? Do you think it's like one of those records where like the one album is almost enough? That Sam, would you explore more of their stuff other than like the singles you know? Or? I'm I'm gonna go. Yeah, no, I think I will. But yeah, I kind of look at it as a similar way, perhaps, um, to, as I mentioned before, but to Ian Jory, where that first record is like so good that you, you kind of you don't necessarily need to go much further because, you know, you don't really need much. Well, there's, there's good stuff by Ian Jory after that. Like, equally, like, it seems like there's a lot of good special stuff that's not on that first album. I, I, I wonder if that's the case with that as well, whether it's sort of, it's this album and the rest is is good, but it, it's not quite that first album. I don't know, you're probably a, in a better position to comment on this this category than me, really. Yeah, that's kind of how it's always felt for me. I mean, there, there, there probably are a section of people out there who actually swear by the second album more than the first, you know, and stuff like that. Yeah. But for me, it's always been like, like this first album, minus, you know, Gangsters, Ghost Town, and then a few off the second album and stuff. It's almost like a greatest hits for me. I'd just like to say before we move on to our final one, Rob. Sorry, I know I keep jumping in here. No, but do, you know, do you know what blew my mind about this record? And I don't know how much you've researched this, Rob, but I'll ask you in the main. But who do you think produced this record? Who do I think produced it? Yeah. I don't know. It's someone you like, and it's Elvis Costello. Is it? All right. Yeah. Okay, cool. Like, blew my mind when I read that. And to be honest, I went on a bit of a tumble down an Elvis Costello rabbit hole at the weekend when I well, that's that, right. right. But I actually didn't know that until like the last week or two, I think, either. So yeah, it was something else I found out. I suppose there was that it was quite a mingled up scene, if you like, wasn't it? So people would just go, Oh, we're making a record, I'll come and give you hand. Yeah. Just that was an interesting little tidbit there. Cheers for that, Stato. 
Research. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> so, Aaron, we'll go to you for this. Where does this fall in like your all-time albums list? I feel like, for me, this is probably one that I... It, it probably wasn't actually in the top 10 or 15. And then I've been listening to it a lot over the last week or two, and I've gone, wait, why is this not in my top 10 or 15? You know, it, it should be a lot higher. So I don't know really, but it's it's got to be up there for me, really. I did the same with the um, Color and the Shape, the Foo Fighters album we did a few weeks ago, where I was like, when we first did our lists of favorite records, I, I, it wasn't even close to being included in my top 25, and that was just wrong. Yeah. So I think there's some records when you actually do come to them, you think, oh, yeah, that's a good record. And then you actually re-familiarize yourself with it. And it's just like, yeah, that's a good record. But... That was exactly it, yeah. Because it just, it was like you sit there and you go, oh, yeah, yeah, I know pretty much all the words to this one. And the next track comes on, you go, oh, yeah, yeah, I know pretty much all the words. Hang on a minute. I'm five, ten tracks in now. It's the same thing for every single one. Yeah, that's it. I think I touched on it earlier when I was hurrying through my intro. But if you think of the number of bands we've spoken about in general tonight that probably wouldn't sound like they do without the specials or certainly without someone coming along and reviving the scar scene as it were so like the the musical legacy of the band is enormous yeah this is this is what i i uh thought this week is that you know like i said at the start a weird kind of blind spot for me almost but now I think of so many bands that I listen to that you think, well, like, you you can trace it back. Like, you know, like, I talk about them a lot. I'm a huge Jamie T fan. And you you can, there's so much that you can hear of that, like, dub and two-tone and sound stuff in there. In, like, stuff like the King Blues, you can hear it. Rancid, you can hear it. There's a lot of stuff that you think, like, oh, fuck, yeah, of course. And I, I tried to do the timeline, but, like, you're not really that far away from like this first specials record to like the Operation Ivy record. No, it's like About five eight or years, six eight years. years eight oh, yeah, and like that. when you consider it's you know West Coast America and it's the Midlands, it probably took that long to send the record. But do you know what I mean? It's like things probably travel not quite so quickly there. But yeah, it blew my mind really. And yeah, you know, it's been a really cool week listening to this record and. So I've got one last thing just in terms of like overall legacy. And it's kind of like, I suppose it's a bit topical because um, Terry Hall recently passed just before Christmas. But it's like we hold songwriters like Lennon and McCartney, Mick Jagger and Keith Richards, Robert Plant and Jimmy Page. We hold them all up in high regard, but rock music would still be rock music without them. Whereas would Scar and Scarpunk, ha- do you know what I mean? Should, should Terry yeah. Hall be held, or Terry Hall and the specials be held in the same regard, I suppose is what I'm getting, because of the impact they've had on the ongoing music scene? Does that make sense? Yeah, I think it does. <laughs> uh, I think it's a good question, actually, as well, because, I mean, a lot of, a lot of people are going to point to Bob Dylan or to Lennon McCartney or to whoever as like their influence or Springsteen or whoever mm. it is. And there's probably going to be a lot fewer people that will point to the specials like uh, Jerry Dammers or whoever as their influence on songwriting. But that influence for them will, for those smaller amount of people, will be much stronger for mm. this specific kind of music. And yeah. for, like you say, because they... Like if the Beatles didn't do it, the Beach Boys would have done it. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's a, that's a great point. Who else was there? Like, I suppose who else was on that two tone label? Madness were here at the start, weren't they? Madness, uh, the B, yeah, selector kind of, but they come in a little bit later, I think. Yeah, and realistically, introduced an entire genre of music to uh, people that hadn't really, you know, there the were very small groups of people who had listened to ska music in the early 70s and that. But Yeah, and the Rocksteady stuff that had come over with that like first wave of immigration in the late 50s, well, in the 50s after the post-war, you know? Exactly, yeah. I mean, without again, I don't want to get too political or anything on it, but it's it's it was mostly immigrants and, and black people who were listening to that music, whereas this kind of went, okay, the white people, you can listen to this as well. And then that kind of introduced it to a lot more people and it, it kind of galvanized it i guess yeah and at the risk of um you know talking about the before you know 30 something white men in the room you know i'll just just like bring you in there rob um like the like the the, the multicultural elements of that within the band as well at, at the time as it feel it just feels like it had to happen and it had to happen there and it had to happen to those people that that's and and it couldn't it couldn't have happened before because that's like the first wave of um, mixed race schools because it's the first wave of kids from that first wave of immigrants that are, you know from hmm. from the Caribbean come you know post war going to school with the kids from the yeah 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 yeah, yeah. do you yeah. know you know what I'm getting at yeah I don't want to use the phrase melting pot no no but no yeah yeah I, I, yeah I think I think it's I think I think you're right I think if it's if, you, if you're going to count, you know, Robert Plant and that and all, all those. Yeah, I don't see why not. Okay, anything else to add, anybody? The uh, the last bit I've got on this album, um, and Sam kind of touched on it before with Little Bitch, which, let's like, say, had been covered then by The Ordinary Boys. And the song I mentioned uh, doesn't make it all right. There is a brilliant cover of that by Stiff Little Fingers, if anybody's listened to that. But then going the other way is like, Probably a third of these tracks are actually covers as well. So, A Message to You, Rudy, was originally by uh, Dandy Livingston. Um, and he also did a song. Again, I'm I'm kind of, with that first wave, I'm very much more of a, I know, greatest hits kind of stuff. Uh, but he also did uh, Suzanne Beware of the Devil, which is a song that is never far from the back of my mind. Like, just, hey, yeah. you know, when you're just sitting there daydreaming, it just comes into my mind all the time. Uh, you've got, like, Too Hot was a Prince Buster song, which obviously Madness covered a lot of his stuff as well. Yeah, Gangsters was as well, wasn't it? I believe so, yeah. yeah. Monkey Man was a Toots and the Matals song. That's a good track. Uh, yeah. You're Wondering Now is a Cox yeah. and Dodd song. So, you know, it's, it's when I say, like, it brought this music to a different group of people, it literally brought the, yeah. that music to a different bunch of people, not by just mm. emulating it, but by also, like, covering it. And, and yeah, and I think that's... In a way, I think that's kind of brilliant of what they've done there because it's a lot of it is kind of associated with themselves, but also you can go back and you can listen to the Toots and the Maytals version of Monkey Man and you can listen to the Real Big Fish version of it and you can see it in three different versions. <laughs> brilliant. Right. Thanks for listening. You can follow us on our socials. We're at Records and Bands. Um, have a look at the Patreon if you if you fancy it. Um, there's links to everyone's shows in the show notes. Um and if you think there's anything that we need to cover going forward on the show, give us a shout. So that was the specials. Hopefully we've done it justice. Um, we've been Records and Bands. Cheers. Cheers.